Did you hear that too? That's always good to know. Okay, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to uh, speak it for a friend who has a um, ministry and uh, has an early morning Bible study that he does for local business people down in Newport Beach. The majority of people that are there are not Christians. And uh, my wife happens to be um, working as a secretary for the president of that ministry. And uh, it's uh, Priority Living, and his name is Bob Shank. So I thought, well, here it is. It's 6.45 in the morning. And uh, the majority of people that are there are not Christians. They're not really tuned into what's going on so much. And thought, well, what's a good way to catch their attention? And at 6.45 in the morning, it's, I mean, you've got to come up with something rather unique to catch anybody's attention. And uh, there were about 80 to 100 people that were there. And I thought, well, I, th I thought I'd be pretty smooth about it. And I said, well, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Bob's secretary and I were laying in bed together, uh, uh, you know, she said, oh, would you mind filling in a couple of weeks for Bob? He's going to be out of town and speaking. And I, and I used that as a line, and everyone went, And, and they were tuned in right away. And I had done this Wednesday and Thursday, and I used it Wednesday, and then I used it again Thursday, and Thursday is a much larger group, and I got all excited about what was going on, and we got into what we were talking about, and then we had a great response. And then Thursday afternoon, I remembered that I never explained <laughs> later on what I meant by what I said. Um, so if I ever do something like that in here, and... Um, we get to the end of our time together and there's like an unanswered question on your mind. You know, feel free to stop and ask it so that we don't get in any trouble because it was real interesting explaining that to my wife because there were a lot of people that were there that then called their office later that day and uh, she happened to be there answering the phone. And uh, they said, we'd like to speak to Bob's secretary. And, um, and, she <laughs> and she couldn't figure out why she got all these strange phone calls. Anyway. Um, keep me keep me honest. Uh, we're going to begin a four a four section exercise this morning on a subject that I think will have uh, extreme relevance for every person that's in here. Uh, a few years ago, when I was in college, we were doing a um, it was in a business management class, and during this particular class in the semester, there was a section that was on business ethics, which is rather interesting. It was a, at a, um, a secular university and the study of business ethics in a secular university is rather unique as it is. And um, during the middle of this particular um, session, the problem came up in that what is, what is or what are business ethics? You know, some of the questions that were raised were questions like, can you really hold on to a personal integrity or morality and still make it in the business community? In fact, I remember one gal specifically saying, as we were talking about this in this group, was, do you know anybody at all in business who is successful and has integrity? And as we went through this and we began to try to come up with a definition, it began to be very obvious that there was no definition that anyone could come up with with what was integrity or what is ethics. It was almost like this in the recent election, if you've had a chance to look at some of the newspaper articles, and there was cartoons about everything, and there was one particular cartoon, it didn't show who it was, but it was obviously there was a political candidate speaking to one of his aides, and he said to the aide, he said, you know, everybody's talking about ethics. 
I want you to find out what they are and get me some because I think I'm going to need some to win this particular election. And that's the way it is with ethics. You know, what is integrity? If I were to ask you this morning, which I'm going to do, and uh, hopefully you'll respond, is what is integrity? If you were to define it as we get this group of people together, what do you believe is integrity? Integrity. Yes. Were you here a couple weeks ago when I said I'd never use a certain word here again? Now, what in the world, having the, um, having, uh, having the guts, having the uh, personal fortitude, intestinal fortitude, how's that, to stand up for what? For what you consider right. How many agree with that? Ooh, that's what I love it. You're so good. You always uh, put yourself on the spot, and I really appreciate that about you. Although I notice you are standing with your back to the wall this morning. Um, I, I, no one agrees with that. Having the, the it, that's close. Okay, well, what's closer? What is right? What is right? What is right? What is right? Okay, that's really that's the issue, isn't it? It's having the guts to stand up for what you believe is right. But the question then comes back to, how do you know what you believe is right? Okay, you might compromise an opinion, but you'll never compromise a principle. That's pretty good. Oh, you can't take that from a man of integrity. Hey, you didn't see if you didn't turn around. He, he was slipping her five bucks for saying one. But he believes that's right. He believes that's right. What is integrity? I think integrity is Oh, you're going to start this kind of stuff, huh? Is it, what is it? Oh, okay. Do unto others as you'd hope that they would do unto you. Yeah, but what if you're like a real demented kind of strange individual? <laughs> not that you are, and not that there's anything that would indicate that about you at this particular moment as I look over there at you. <laughs> but what if you're, yeah, what if you're like, you know, you, you're different, you know, and you would hope people do that to you and, because that's what you do to them, and you, you know. What does that mean? See what the, yeah. Okay, lining up your... See, a lot of people are mistaken to believe that a person of integrity is a person whose actions and their beliefs are the same. Right? How many of you agree with that? Actions and beliefs are the same. A person whose actions line up with their beliefs. Okay? Here's a problem. I thought about this. Yeah, what if you believe that it's okay to shoot people on the freeway that are going faster than you and will not let you off at the next off-ramp. And you do it because you believe it's right and your actions line up with what you believe, so obviously you are a man of integrity. No, the word, you're asking for a definition of integrity. You're not asking what's right and wrong. Integrity is being what you look like on the outside is the same as what's on the inside. Integrity is the same Okay. Integrity is being what you are on the outside, what you are on the inside. A 
Buddhist can have integrity. A Muslim can have integrity. A Christian can have integrity. As long as he's performing consistently on the outside with what's so going on. Anybody who's consistent with what they believe on the inside is a man or a woman of integrity. How many agree with that? I see heads going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Huh? Yes, sir. You know, this guy that just had this last answer said, well stated. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can recap that a minute. As long as you act according to what you believe is right, even though you may not be right, but at the time that you do it, you thought you were right, then you had integrity because you did what you thought was the right thing to do at the time that you did it, even though you turned out that you were wrong in what you did. But you admitted it, thereby maintaining your integrity by admitting that what you did was wrong, even though at the time that you did it, you thought you were right, but your action was wrong. As it turned out, time proved that what you did was wrong. But you had integrity at the time that you did it here, even though here you're sitting in the electric chair. Huh? No, I got a good attorney joke there. You want to hear it? Nah, no, nah, I can't do it. There's a couple sitting out here. Exactly. And that's exactly what we found as we sat in this group with, and as we're finding this morning. You can sit and we can debate about what we believe is right or wrong until the sun doesn't shine again or whatever. See, that's the problem that we found and that I find when we try to determine what integrity is. Every one of us in here believes something different about integrity. The problem is, how can all of us be right? How can all of us be right? Don't tell me how we could all be right. Are you going to say something else? Okay, here's an assumption. Did you hear that? We all know what's right or wrong. What really is the key is the courage to act upon what we know is right or wrong. How many agree with that? How many thought they knew what integrity was? <laughs> <laughs> five minutes ago. Do you see any problem with that logic? What? We all know what's right and wrong. We don't have a clue what's right or wrong because we have a clue. Oh, oh. Okay. A standard. If you work for the government, the government will, will, will give you guidelines. And if you don't, you can always read the Bible because they'll give you these generic, general guidelines. Okay, yeah. You know, that says you can't accept lunch from people you're dealing with in the Bible. But most companies will tell you. See, I like that. See, you know, the, the, this, this book has, um, has um, principles in it 
that we can apply to situations today. There's no question about that. In fact, this was good. We were doing a family devotion a couple weeks ago, and um, I was trying to explain to my, my children that everything and anything that you have a problem with, there's an answer for it in this book. I don't have any question about it. I know it for a fact. And so they'll ask you something specific and say, well, that's not specifically mentioned, but there's principles in there that tie into it, and we can refer back to the principles. So our six-year-old daughter goes, you mean Mr. Schott is in the Bible? And everyone's cracking up, and I'm, I'm, you know, the serious Bible teacher, you know, and I'm going, no, Mr. Schott, I don't understand. And, uh, well, anyway, Mr. Schott is the principal of their elementary school. And uh, she, she picked up principal. Oh, so Mr. Schott is, is in the Bible. And uh, you get some of the, I mean, it, it's almost as, as, as bizarre as what we do in here. Uh, you know, some of these answers. Turn, turn with me. Here, here's the problem. Okay, here's what I see. In this area of personal morality, there's like three levels. Level number one, we'd call theory. See, you have a certain theory about what you believe is right or wrong, and you'll maintain that theory until someone comes to you and says, and challenges your theory with an, with an argument that has tremendous validity. You can't answer it, and so therefore you then change your theory because you've been confronted with something that sounds better than what you originally held as a theory. So the level of your determination at that point is not real deep. But let's assume for a moment that you take that theory and you move it to the next level, which then becomes a belief. You may believe something, and as I'm finding, so is, as is so often the truth, many of us believe certain things, although it's never enough to prod us into action. And so then we get to the third level of depth, which is conviction. That is, it originally started with a theory that worked its way into a belief that we held firm, and as it's challenged, we continue to stick with it. And then it moves into conviction, which is belief that motivates the actions of our life. You follow what I'm saying? Theory can be challenged, and you will throw your theory away and come up with a new one. Beliefs are a little deeper. You may hang on to them, but then when, there's, when you're challenged by it, you may set those beliefs aside to make it convenient for the moment. But in the area of conviction, when you're convicted about something, regardless of whatever the consequences are, you stick to those convictions. The problem that we have is there are many people who will die for convictions that may or may not even be right. There are many people who die for causes that may or may not be right. The problem that we have with that is what is right and what is wrong. Because then it becomes a matter of one's interpretation. There are many terrorists around the world who will strap bombs on themselves and walk into a building and blow up 400 people because they believe that the cause in which they're going to do what they're doing is right. Then the question comes is, are they right or aren't they right? Even though at the time that they did it, they had tremendous integrity because what they believed on the outside, they demonstrated, believed on the inside, they demonstrated on the outside in their actions. And they will go into a building, they'll blow up a building, they'll kill people, they'll kill themselves, and people would say, what a man of integrity. And you can't argue that based on our definition of integrity, of everything that I heard this morning. The question then becomes is, what is right, what is wrong? What does God say integrity is? Because that's really the issue. Turn with me for a moment to Psalm 26. And we're going to read about what integrity is. Psalm 26. The question for the morning is, what is integrity? 
is integrity really living what you believe on the inside, holding fast to a set of beliefs and living it and demonstrating it in your life, so that what you believe on the inside is what you demonstrate on the outside? Are you a man or a woman of integrity because you do that? Or is there some confusion with your definition? Psalm 26. We read that David writes, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about thine altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all thy wonders. O Lord, I love the habitation of thy house and the place where thy glory dwells. Do not take, away, do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme, and, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations I shall bless the Lord. Psalm 26 is a psalm of integrity. And as you can see, as you look at it, David says, O Lord, I have walked in my integrity. What I'd like to do is define, according to what we read here this morning, a definition of integrity that all of us can leave here and hold on to and understand when we speak of integrity, what God speaks of when he speaks of a man or a woman of integrity. Because what you and I believe is integrity doesn't really make any difference if it isn't, doesn't line up with what God says integrity is. Because what is right is right. What is wrong is wrong, regardless of what you may believe is right or what you may believe is wrong. See, there's a problem that we have in the philosophy of our day that says basically as long as you have good intentions and as long as you are sincere about what you believe, then somehow or another that validates it as a just belief. The problem with that logic is that you could believe that there's no such thing as gravity, jump off of a roof of your house and splat in your driveway, and it doesn't matter how sincere you were when you took off from the roof, when you hit the ground, uh, that theory changes tremendously. See, what we believe has to relate to what is right and what is wrong, and there are absolutes. The problem that I saw in the university that I was in was that a group of people getting together trying to come up with a definition of anything, the conclusion always is there is no absolute because every one of us have opinions are equally valid. The problem with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. You and I do not have opinions that are equally valid as if they do not line up with what God says is right and wrong. See, that's the whole problem with us studying the Word of God. We go into it with our opinions, we try to, to formulate an opinion based on whatever it is, and then we try to pick and choose passages or references that will validate what we believe is right or wrong, and the problem with that is it's, it's, uh, it's reversible logic. You cannot do that. You go into the Word of God with an open mind, what does God say about integrity? That then becomes our definition of integrity. You follow what I'm saying? See, you know, we, we've got to get away from this as long as we're sincere, it's okay. It is wrong, it is wrong, it is wrong. And all it will lead to is false conclusions about what you believe is right and wrong. Integrity. David says, vindicate me, O Lord, for what? I have walked in my integrity. Many of us have used the definition to say, as long as it's something of an action, well, it is an action. 
What David is saying is that I have walked my lifestyle the way that I went. As I walked or as I was going, I continued to be consistent. I walked in my integrity, but the problem is, what is integrity? What are some of the characteristics of it? So the danger of it is that our sense of integrity and morality, the problem is that we have a difficulty agreeing on what is right and wrong. When I was back in Washington, D.C. this past summer, you know that the House and the Senate both have ethics committees. What's the purpose of the ethics committee? What's the purpose of an ethics committee? What? Okay, first of all, yeah, it's to judge one another, but to judge one another based on what? Based on what is right or wrong. What is right or wrong? Exactly. What they determine is right or wrong. See, the House, Senate, the House and the Senate Ethics Committee, when they get together, they determine what is right or wrong. See, they don't allow each person that's in the House or each person that's in the Senate to determine that what their actions are, whether they're right or wrong. Why? You know what they found out? Because everybody has an, an attitude or a belief about something, and they're sincere about it, and they do it because they believe it was right. So they said, this isn't going to work. We're getting too many people that are doing too many different things, and everybody, every one of them agree that what they're doing is right. And that can't work. So what they do is they get together and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to set up an ethics committee that will decide what is right and what is wrong and establish a standard upon which then they judge one another based on that standard. But see, the problem is they've got to have the standard first to then judge whether your actions line up with the standard because without the standard, every one of the actions are equally valid. You follow what I'm saying? Do you realize God has done exactly the same thing? In fact, the House Ethics Committee and the Senate Ethics Committee have put together standards and many times are based on what God has already determined is right or wrong. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating. They take credit for it. You know, they come up with all the rules and regulations. But the amazing thing to me is that so many of them fall right in line with what God already said is right or wrong. So follow me for a moment. Don't, don't you know, get off the train yet. If you want to know what integrity is, it goes back to what David said, I have walked in my integrity, I have walked as a way of life, I have continued to do those things, God, that you say are right, and have withheld from doing things that you say are wrong. You follow what's going on here? Integrity then becomes a matter of our relationship with the Lord. What he says is right, what he says is wrong, and I have walked according to that integrity. Look at 1 Kings chapter 9. Turn back to 1 Kings chapter 9. And we're going to see some characteristics of a man or woman of integrity. 1 Kings 9, start with verse 1. Yeah, if, if uh, someone next to you needs some help, help them out, and then, uh, or if they don't have their Bible, let them share with you so they know that we're not just making this stuff up. Yeah, really, it, it's really important. I mean, read along with me and come to your own conclusions based on it. I'm not going to help you. I mean, I may help lead you to certain conclusions, but I'd rather you come up with them yourself because see what happens then is if you're going to develop convictions, those convictions have got to come from within yourself. They've got to come from your heart based on what you see God the desires of your life. You and I will never develop a conviction from somebody else telling you what to believe. 
that's the way convictions are. Now it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. And as for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. God is addressing David's son Solomon, and he says to Solomon, If you will do according to what your father David did, he walked in his integrity. Why? Because he did all according that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances. The Bible is clear that a man or a woman of integrity is a person who is obedient to the statutes, the principles, the ordinances, the laws of God. What God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. And as you walk in them and as you go as a manner of life, God is saying you and I become a man or a woman of integrity. But it all goes back to what does God say is right? What does God say is wrong? God is saying to Solomon, your dad was a man of integrity. Now, does that mean he never sinned? Did David ever blow it? Yeah, he messed up big time. But how can God then say, see, this is a fascinating thing to me about the Bible. God calls David a friend of his, a man after his own heart. God says that David, he's talking to his son Solomon, says, do you realize your dad was a man of integrity? He was a man of integrity. And we sit and go, well, but he blew it. He made a mistake. He sinned. Yes, he did. But why was he a man of integrity? Because he continued to walk in the ways of God. When he was wrong, according to what God said is wrong, he confessed it, God forgave him, and he continued to walk according to what God said is right or wrong. Does it mean that we do not have integrity if we sin? Of course not. What it means is that we need to confess that sin, agree, confession is agreeing with God that what God says is right or wrong, not what we think is right or wrong, but agreeing that what God says is right or wrong, confess what we've done that is wrong according to God, continue to move on in agreement with what God says is right, and we are then men and women of integrity according to God. That's great news for every one of us because as we leave here this morning, each one of us have an opportunity to begin today to become men or women of integrity. Even though we may have blown it in the past, we may have compromised in the past, we may have sinned in the past, and we may be living in sin today, every day is an opportunity to confess where we're at and to agree with God what we're doing is wrong and to turn and to walk in His ways. It's a tremendous message that every one of us need to understand. We can become men and women of integrity regardless of our past performance. And it can start with you today. See, God said David was a man of integrity. And we go, how can that be when he sinned and he blew it? Because God knows all of us are capable of blowing it at any time. But the bottom line test is, do we agree with what God says is right or wrong and turn from it and move on with him? Go back to Psalm 26. So the first characteristic that I see of a man or a woman of integrity is a person who walks in, the, in obedience to what God says is right or wrong. 
Is that where you're at? Do you agree with God and what God says is right or wrong, or do you hold to your own philosophies about what you think is right or wrong? See, that's the question. David said, I have walked in my integrity. It continues to be a way of life. He said, I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. See, a man or woman of integrity will trust in God without wavering. Does it mean that he does not doubt? Does it mean that you don't, uh, you, you don't question sometimes what goes on in your life? Not at all. David questioned God often. He said, man, why is this happening to me? What am I doing? Why are my enemies coming after me? Are you going to let my enemies destroy me? Are they going to devour me? Oh, God, please be my fortress and my refuge. Protect me from my enemies. Why is this happening to me? Does it mean that to, with that, a person that does not waver, that you never doubt what's going on in your life? Never. You may doubt. You may have questions. But the question is, when it talks about wavering, does it mean that it's caused you to go in a complete different direction? I trusted in God's ways. I believed in His ways. But I'm getting too much pressure on me. And it looks like God's ways aren't right after all. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in a new direction. And I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. See, David said, I'm a man of integrity because even though I may, I may have questioned you, even though I may have been worried about some of the things that were going on in my life, God, I never wavered from the standpoint that I never lost trust in you. I always knew, even when I was living in sin, I knew that your ways were right. Even when I was uh, hesitant to confess it, I knew, God, your ways were right. Even though I was struggling with what was going on in my life, I never questioned that your ways weren't right. Even though I may not have been living it, I knew you were right. See, that is what trusting in God is. No matter what your adversity is, in your work environment, wherever it is, no matter how much pressure is put on you, no matter how much adversity you've got to face, what God says is right is right. And he said, I never wavered from the truth even though at times I may have messed up and compromised, I always knew that when I was doing it, it wasn't the right thing to do. And I know that I'm wrong and I'm going to confess it and I'm going to start doing what's right. See, he did not waver. Turn with me for, to another example of a man who, um, who also was a man of integrity according to God in Job chapter 1. And I want you to see how a person of integrity trusts in God, does not waver even though the pressure is on. Job chapter 1. David continued to maintain a reliance on, on the Lord, never wavering from the direction that he was going. And here we read about a man whose name was Job, and we read according to God that he also was a man of integrity. In verse 1 of chapter 1, we read that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. God says in verse 8, he said to Satan, Have you considered my ser servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. God said that he was morally blameless before him. A man or a woman of integrity is a person who is morally blameless before God. Does not mean that they're perfect. Does not mean that they're capable of, not capable of sin. But what he's saying is, it is a man or a woman who is morally blameless by being obedient to the Word of God. By living a life that is pleasing to God. You and I can be morally blameless before God, having first of all put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to find our righteousness in Him, and then being obedient to the Word of God. 
We will never be morally blameless outside of Christ. It's not possible. But as we put our faith and trust in him and we begin to live a life that lines up with the word of God, God says that we can be morally blameless. And as a man or woman of integrity, we've got to be morally blameless before God. What happens when the pressure is put on, though? Look what happened to this guy. Look at verse, uh, chapter 2 for a second. And starting with verse 1. God wanted to prove to Satan that Job was a man of integrity. That's really the test that's before him. And so literally all hell breaks loose against this guy. I mean, everything breaks loose against him. He loses his family. He loses his business. He loses everything. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered and said, I've come from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. He still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited to me to ruin against him without cause. It boils down to our relationship with the Lord. He incited him to ruin him, although there was no cause. And you know what it says? Job held fast to his integrity. I mean, folks, everything went wrong in his life. And you know what's great about it? God says he was a man of integrity because he never wavered in trusting the Lord that what he was doing was right. You say, how do you know that's true? Turn ahead. Look ahead to uh, uh, verse 7. It's important that we realize that as we talk about this whole subject of integrity that we're not trying to come up with our own definition. But we see the characteristics of men of integrity and women of integrity that God says had integrity and we look at their lives and see how they demonstrated it. So Satan went out in verse 7 from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. And his wife came to Job and said, Do you still hold fast in your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Earlier said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, a man or woman of integrity never wavers from their trust in God. Even though all hell is breaking loose in your life, and literally we can say that because that's exactly where the source of it comes from. Satan wants to ruin you. He wants to uh, have you to lose your integrity, which basically is losing your trust in God. Do you trust God in His ways? Do you trust His ways that are right? And if they are right, do you live according to what He says is right? That's what a person of integrity is all about. See, Job maintained his integrity. When the whole world around him said, how can you still trust in God when He's allowed all these things to happen to you? Job said, hey, naked I came from my mother's room, naked I returned, blessed be the name of the Lord. He never sinned with his lips. He never denied that the Lord knew what was best for him. See, really, that's what integrity is all about, isn't it? Because when you and I are put to the test, wherever it is, in the business community, in a, in a business setting, when we're told, 
do it this way and God's way is say do it that way, then we're put to the test on whether we'll maintain our integrity or not. You know why? Because what it's saying is this. Man's way say do it this way. God's way say don't do it that way, do it this way. The question then comes to be, who do you trust? Man's ways or God's ways? The Bible says that to a man there is a way that seems right, but in its end is destruction. There are many of us who are challenged with ways that seem right, but God says they're wrong. They seem right, we go that way, and we end up in a lot of hot water because of it. Integrity boils down to a trust in God, an unwavering trust in the Lord. Is God's ways right or aren't they right? Are they right or not? If they're right and you hold fast to that, then you're going to do what you know is the right thing to do. If you don't think they're right, then you'll do whatever you think is right. And the problem is that what you think is right, the natural inclination is to go against what God says is right. God's ways are not our ways. Man's ways are always in opposition to God's ways. Our natural inclination is to do things that are going to be personally benefiting for us at the time, pleasing to us at the time, even though God says don't do it that way. I will challenge you to realize that unless you take serious consideration in the Word of God, you pray about a situation that you you're being challenged on right now and you find out what God has to say about it, I'll guarantee you 100% of the time that you're going to sell out and compromise because that's the way that people are going to want you to go. God's ways are not our ways and until we know what God's ways are, we're always going to do things that are not pleasing to God. And we will never, according to the God, according to the God of the Bible, have integrity in our life. You follow what I'm trying to say? We need to understand the definition of integrity before we can even move on to how, how to apply it in our lives. So how would, you, how would you come up with a new definition of integrity? Help me out. Who is a man or woman of integrity? What do you see demonstrated in their life? What? Pardon me? Obedience to what? Obedience to the Word of God. What God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. And a person of integrity is obedient to it and they, be, and they live their lives according to it. What else? To resist evil. It says that Job was a man who turned from evil. We see in, in Psalm 26 that um, David walked in thy truth. Again, he goes back to, Lord, I walked in your truth. I only have integrity because I did what you said is right. I walked in your truth, not what I believed was right, not what the world said was right. I did what you said was right, and because of that, I can stand before God and say, I have integrity. Do you realize that's what David's doing? He's saying, God, I have integrity. You know that I have integrity because you know that I did what you said was right. And if what you said was right is right, then, then what I did was right also. So I have integrity according to what you said. How many of you can stand before God today and say, I am a man or woman of integrity, God, because I'm doing exactly what you said is right, and what you say is wrong, I stay away from. Can you make that claim? Or are we in the definition mode that says, as long as I sincerely believe what I think is right, and I do that, then that's okay. You know what will happen? Every time that you're challenged in a work environment and in your personal life on compromise, you'll compromise. But you only compromise because it's going to be a compromise according to what God says is right or wrong, not according to what you believe is right or wrong, because you'll justify and rationalize why you're doing what you're doing now because all of a sudden your theory has changed because the pressure's on, and so you've come up with a whole new, new definition, and you don't compromise at all ever, do you? Because you change what you think is right or wrong, so you never compromise. Not according to your own mind. 
But according to the people around you who look at what you're doing, say they're compromising their standards and their principles because I know what their standards and principles should be because this is what God says about it. And you are compromising, but you don't think you are because you don't have a definition. It changes when the heat's on. And that's why you look around you and Christians today don't look like Christians today because they do everything that the world does because they believe that everything the world's doing is okay because we live under grace and there is no standard. We can do anything we want to do whenever we want to do it. And if it starts to bother us, we'll deal with the guilt later on or we'll come up with a whole new set of standards and definitions for it so it doesn't bother us anymore. And so we're not a light and we're not a salt anymore to the world around us or people that we work with because we don't know what we believe. You know why we don't know? Because we don't know what God says. And you know why we don't know what God says? Because it's too much work to have to study it to learn it. We're better off just winging it. It's easier. And you want to know why people don't look at your lives and are attracted by what you do? You want to know why you live in guilt all the time about the things that you're doing? And every time you compromise, you hate yourself for it? And you say, I wish I would have done something differently, but I just didn't have the strength to do it? You know why you didn't have the strength to do it? Because you don't have any convictions about anything. It's been said that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that is so true in the area of integrity. If you don't know what you believe, then I'll guarantee you, you don't believe anything. Because as soon as it's put to the test, you're going to change what you believe to make it expedient at the moment. Take the easy way out. And besides, I'm not sure if that's right or wrong. I don't know. Who am I to get judgmental? Who am I to take a stand? I'm not sure if that's right. See, that's what the problem with integrity is. We've got to have a definition of integrity before we leave here today and before we start to look for the next three weeks at what integrity is or we're all going to have a problem. And they're all in the choir and they're not upset, so don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, let me see your choir card. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no. <sighs> Turn back to Psalm 26. Let's wrap it all up. Let's come up with a definition for the basis of this series. We say a man or a woman of God is a person of integrity if they're obedient to his word, that they live according to what God says is right or wrong. And it's what God has to say. Look in verse 4. What does he say is right or wrong? He goes through and he explains the contrast between a person who has integrity and a person that doesn't. He says, I do not sit with deceitful men nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Saying the opposite of a person of integrity is a person who is deceitful, who is a pretender. It says in Psalm 28.3, we read, that uh, do not drag me away with the wicked and those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their heart. See, a person that has no integrity, according to God, is a person who says one thing, and does something else. They may say what's right on the outside, but in their heart it's far from what they really mean. David says, I'm not a man like that. I have integrity. I won't go with people who are pretenders or hypocrites. I won't go with people who devise evil. It says that if Job, that Job was a man of integrity because he turned from evil. He didn't sit down and plot evil things. He didn't sit down and come up with schemes to manipulate and to use people for his own personal benefit. 
And as we sit in the middle of committees or meetings at our businesses, how many of us sit down and try to scheme on some way? You know, we're all schemers to try to come up with a way to make a quick buck. How can we do this or that without them knowing it so that we can make some money and they don't have to know about it, they don't have to be hurt about it because they don't know and if they don't know it, they don't know it won't hurt them. So we're going to do this and we can make an easy buck to do it. And God says, you know what? That's scheming. That's evil. That's wrong. That's pretending. That's being a hypocrite. That's saying one thing but planning on doing something else. God says that when you do that, you have no integrity. He goes on in verse, in verse 9. It says, uh, Nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme, in whose right hand is full of bribes. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read about the schemes of the devil, the strategies of the devil. Do you know that there is a way of life that is strategizing to do evil? Have you ever met people that all they do is scheme to scam on people? The same word is used of Satan in Ephesians 6, that Satan uses the schemes of the devil, the strategies of the devil, that there is actually a strategy to do evil. God is saying that each one of us need to understand what that is, that when you and I sit down to plot to scheme on people, God is saying that you have no integrity when you do that. David said, hey, you know what? I have integrity because I never sat down to scheme to do evil. I never took a bribe. He says that a person without integrity, his right hand is full of bribes. I never took a payoff. I never took a kickback. The Senate House and the, the Senate and House Ethics Committee sit down and they say, you cannot take kickbacks. You cannot take bribes. You cannot, your vote cannot be bought. So they establish a standard that God's already established and said, listen, if you want to be a man or woman of integrity and you're in a position in your business that you can be influenced by uh, uh, Laker tickets or you can be influenced by uh, lunches or you can be influenced by using somebody's condo in the mountains somewhere and you can be influenced and your influence can be bought, guess what? You have no integrity according to the word of God. Are you morally blameless before God? If you are, you're not a schemer. Can you be bought? Everybody has a price. Isn't that what they say? Everybody has a price. What's your price? What's your price? Are you cheap? Are you reasonable? Where are the Lakers? Where are the Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> See? You know, really? <laughs> That's, that brings up a good point, Willer, though, and I, I want to throw it out. And I appreciate you doing that right at the right time. I, I asked him if he'd do that. Schemer. Um, see, here's, here's what the problem is, right? If you can't get bought, doesn't matter where the seats are, does it? See, where's your convictions? What do you believe is right? What do you believe is wrong? If you don't develop them ahead of time, when they're challenged and they're put on the spot, then you won't have any. Because even if it means saying, I don't sell out for anything less than front row. When somebody offers you a colonnade seat, you say, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. 
Now, it may seem that may sound a little demented, but I'm trying to make a point. And the point is, unless you draw the line ahead of time, when you are challenged, that's all it is is a theory. My theory is I don't sell out. Do you really believe that? Here's some front row tickets to the Laker game. Very persuasive argument. My theory just changed. Why did it change? Because I didn't have a conviction about not selling out, I had a theory about possibly not selling out, but now that it's been confronted with something that's very tangible and I can understand it, then my theory just changed. I don't even believe it anymore. Give me the tickets, I'll catch you later. See, that's the problem with what is right and what is wrong. God says, those with integrity cannot be bought. Your convictions cannot be bought. If they are a conviction, they're a conviction. If the Word of God says it's right or wrong, it does not change. And it doesn't matter what the price is. And those who say everyone has a price are wrong, according to God, if you're a man or a woman of integrity. And for the next three weeks, we're going to look at a man who did have integrity. His name is Daniel. Read the first chapter this week. And I want you to see that here is a man who developed convictions before they were put to the test because he realized that if he waited until they were tested, he wouldn't have any. You know what our problem is? And just summing it all up, our problem is that we defined integrity the way that we did when we first entered the room, and that is as long as we do what we think is right, then it's okay. God says that's nuts. That's, that's illogical. That's the old how to influence, how to, uh, what is it? How to win friends and influence people. And, uh, and all that kind of garbage that's out there. God says that, you know what, if you do what's pleasing to God, you're not going to win very many friends. You're going to please God or you're going to please yourself. That's the issue that we're going to wrestle with for the next three weeks. Let's do it. Sum it all up. Give me a good definition that we can leave on. What's the definition of integrity? Definition of integrity. Okay. Someone who has developed their convictions by walking in God's Word, by trusting God that what God says is right is right, regardless of your...